0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: I'd say that that's been, in my mind, the biggest challenge is just making sure that you're consistently having these conversations because if it's not this deal for an investor. It'll be the next
0: one. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity and potentially loan guarantors uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal, they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number, 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Steven Libman and Adam Ray. How you two doing? Doing well.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. And a little bit about these two. They are two of the three managing partners of Integrity Capital Group. Steven spent over 10 years in real estate as a broker at first, then an investor, and he's been a managing partner at one of the largest private investment companies in New Jersey, doing over 50 million in transactions and over 150 deals a year based in New York City. Adam has spent most of his career in real estate. In 2017, his company Integrity Invest LLC had grown to be the largest wholesale acquisitions real estate investment firm in Southern Colorado, and he is based in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So we're gonna be primarily talking to Stephen, but you'll hear Adam as well, because I know it's tough to follow voices with three people on a podcast. So with that being said, Stephen, you want to tell us more about your company's background and focus?
1: Sure. Integrity Capital Group was established just this year, actually, because we both, Adam and I, run very similar businesses. So we have a wholesale fix and flip business in New Jersey, and he does the same thing in Colorado. We actually met through a mastermind And we're both on track to do probably $15, $20 million in each state. The name of our company is Integrity Holdings Group. The name of his is Integrity Invest. And the goal has always been to get from wholesaling into commercial, real estate, and multifamily. And just through meeting over the last year and being of like mind and just cut from the same cloth, we decided, hey, you know, why don't we attack this together and in a very short order of time, we've gotten thrust into a couple of pretty large multi-multi-million dollar commercial deals, and we just kind of hit the ground running. So here we are, and now our business model is to raise capital from private investors and deploy that into safe, securitized, providing higher than expected returns on commercial real estate deals.
0: The primary reason why you two partnered up is so that you could go into commercial deals, Correct. Our businesses
1: still operate kind of on their own now, and our Integrity Capital Group was established specifically for commercial.
0: You both have, sounds like flourishing wholesale companies, 15 to 20 million in each state, if I heard you correctly. Why did you choose to partner with an individual who? has similar experience versus choosing the partner with someone who has commercial experience since you wanted to get into commercial deals?
1: Great question. That's kind of one of the things that always has driven us is to find like-minded people and find people with different skill sets. The experience level in commercial was both where we wanted to go, but it was more important to find people that were kind of similarly minded when it came to values and relationship. And where our family goals were, and things like that. So, that was the most important piece of the puzzle for us when creating a team. And we all have different skill sets, right? So, Adam's genius zone is different than mine and different from Travis's, who's not on the call today, but the three of us meshed really well. And that's why we started the company. But to your point, the deals that we are involved in are co sponsoring with guys that have a ton of experience. So, Collectively, they own about 2,000 units, and we're building a self-storage facility down in Orlando with one of them and acquiring 152 units in Arizona for another one. So we certainly get the value of partnering with people with that experience, but for our core group and what our company was going to be doing, we just decided that the three of us would make the best fit.
0: $15 million on track this year. That's great for anyone who's (laughs) listening, Um, but especially it's inspiring for people In that particular area, how much money do you make when you do $15 million in wholesaling?
1: So that's just total transactional volume, right? And you can use statistics to make them sound really good. And that's that one. But to put it in perspective, in 2016, we did 16 deals for $240,000 in revenue. This year we'll do about 180 for $2.4 million in revenue. So it's been an extremely quick growth curve for us. And Adam, I, I forget what your numbers look like. What do yours look like from two years ago till now? Two years
2: ago, we did 21 deals for about 400000 in revenue, just under 380. And then this year, we're on track to do 88 deals with like $1.4, $1.8, somewhere in there.
0: And just so I'm clear, revenue is a total amount of income, not necessarily the profit, correct?
1: Correct. About a 35% profit margin.
0: Okay, so like for the 1.4, now we do 35% of that, and that's about where you're netting out from profit standpoint. Yeah.
2: My profit margin is about 33.76.
0: About? About. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a numbers guy. It depends
1: if you're in growth mode too. So when we were doing extreme growth mode, that might have dipped down to 20 to 25% because we're pumping money into new markets and new marketing channels and things like that. So it fluctuates, but mm-hmm. that's the goal.
0: Interesting. I never heard that type of percentage expressed as a profit just for wholesalers. That's great to know when there's a certain amount of revenue Then approximately, well, I don't remember the percent (laughs) that you gave, Adam, but (laughs) approximately 35% of that is profit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Why go into commercial? Why not just continue to scale from 15 to 20 million to 100 million in wholesale?
1: I think we'll both have the same answer for this. and, And we've discussed it a lot before, obviously, we went into commercial. It's because of passive income, cash flow ebbs and flows significantly in a fix and flip business and in a wholesale business. And at the beginning of every month you hit the reset button. So you're sending Mm -hmm. marketing pieces out. You're spending more money on pay-per-click. You're sending your acquisition people out on new appointments. And it's just a heavy lift at the beginning of every single month. And as entrepreneurs, I think we always wanted something that would create some passivity in our lives and commercial offers that. we were watching other guys that are building their businesses. And now that we have a business that's kind of printing some cash that we can turn into passive income, that was always the goal for us.
2: And then the second thing is Stephen and I were headed down the path of partnering to build a monster single family portfolio in different regional locations. We were scouting different cities around the country, trying to look at local partners. And I've got a small 23 rental portfolio in Colorado. And so I have some experience with our passive income and growing that one house at a time. And we just looked at the amount of energy that it takes to source, find, fix, and then deploying that capital, even in a small amount, into a single family house across the country. And then also looking at analyzing the numbers of a large, large commercial project. And To be honest, we've both done a lot of residential deals and we looked at our time commitments Mm -hmm. and said, my goodness, I can add three zeros to this deal and it's about the same amount of work as flipping three houses and buying two rentals. But the payoff on the back end is got a couple extra zeros on it and then we can actually scale if we combine both of our ability to build businesses together. And we were talking every day anyway. so.
0: So it sounds like two things. One is the endless heavy lifting cycle that is wholesaling because you're constantly ramping up the machine and then the time commitment in terms of opportunity cost too and being able to scale. When you two made that decision to go into commercial, what were some of your first steps I would love to say that it
1: was methodical. (laughs) I'd love to say that we sat and we wrote our plans and what we were going to do. But the truth of the matter is, is that we were at a mastermind together in Baltimore, not more than 60 days ago. And a sponsor that I'd been communicating with reached out and said, Hey, if you guys want to get involved in this deal and you can raise 6 million bucks, then let's talk about that. And I went, I found Adam. I said, what do you think? You think we should Paint ourselves in a corner and commit to doing this. And yes, said, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> so we did. And just last week, we closed on 14 acres of land with 1193 approved self storage units on it. Wow, just outside of Orlando. And we just closed on the two million dollars of the land last week. And we're in the process of closing out the second round for the 12 million dollars worth of construction costs for that. So How did we get started? It was a violent shove into it. And Mm. our eternal need to say yes to things kind of got us in there. And then that just really opened the door for us to go side by side with a sponsor who has a lot of experience with $100 million of assets under management and to just learn and watch and figure it out. We've been raising money for a long time with our single family fix and flip business. So we thought it was achievable and it was. And now we get to take the ride.
0: What was something that surprised you as you got started having those conversations with investors?
1: I think first it's how many people are really interested in creating some passive income for themselves. When you're paying double market returns to your investors, they get excited about that. So I would say that it was not easier than we thought, but initially the conversations were a little bit different where, hey, we're going to deploy your capital now for three to five years versus three to six months. And people were excited about that. So the people that we've already had relationships with were saying, yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping you guys would do. So turns out it was the right move.
0: New development. I heard that right, correct? Correct. Ground up. Ground up development. You definitely got into this with a violent shove, as you described, Stephen. Did you get any pushback on ground up development? No,
1: we actually have some experience in that. So Travis, our third partner, is from the underground utility and site development world. So he has a lot of that background. So we're confident that we can oversee that project with a solid fiduciary responsibility to our investors. And then also in New Jersey, in 2018, we've taken down, subdivided, and either improved or approved over 100 lots for single family development. So it's not that different, except storage doesn't have any kitchens and baths, well, maybe one or two baths, but it's a little bit different of a process. So it goes much quicker than that larger single family development stuff.
0: Hmm. You're working on another project too. I think you said you've got that and something else, right?
1: Yeah. So in just about 30 days, we're getting ready to close on 152 units in Yuma, Arizona. And that's a little bit different. It's a cash flowing asset already. We'll make some changes to it cosmetically and operationally that will create some value. But yeah, we're still in the middle of raising the final round for that as well. So that's a really exciting project as well.
0: And how much are you bringing to that deal? 2.6. How long does it take you to raise 2.6 million?
1: Hopefully less than 30 days.
0: (laughs) It's in process, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's in process, doing two projects side by side. With different risk tolerances, right? yeah There's a different risk tolerance than the stabilized asset. So different investors, lots of conversations, but we'll see. I, I wish we had a better data set for that. The goal moving forward is to continually meet with investors that like what our portfolio is turning out to be. And then as those deals pop up, we don't have to kind of play behind the eight ball because right now, a little bit we are.
0: What have you noticed you've had to give more attention to... As it relates to your wholesale business that you thought was on autopilot, but then not so much.
1: For us, and I think for Adam too, in the next couple of months, the goal is for us, we've already identified and are starting the onboarding process for a COO so that they can take the operations day to day off of our hands. But as much as we like to say everything's on autopilot, you don't need a COO if it's on autopilot. Nothing's really ever on autopilot. Marketing changes, your response rates change, your appointment quality changes. Acquisitions people sometimes get sick or go on vacation, so you got to step in and the business still has to run. But I think that we've done a really good job, and I know that Adam has too, and his whole business created a really good culture of accountability and team play where everybody knows that they are part of the teepee, right? Where we all hold each other up. And if you have that type of accountability, to everybody on the team, then everybody works really hard. And that's the culture that we've created. And that has been the biggest win for us in terms of making sure that things continue to run because if they don't want to run it for themselves, they want to run it for their teammates and nobody's ever wanted to run it just for us. And that's been really helpful.
2: One of the big surprising things on my end has been as I've started to shift my focus I've realized I'm less important to my business than I actually thought. Not in the sense that I haven't given a lot to it and that made a lot of things work. But at the end of the day, if I take an extra 24 to 48 hours to get back on a problem, by the time I get back to it, I've noticed over the last couple of months, somebody on my team has taken that opportunity to step up usually and has solved that problem prior to me being able to get to it. Actually, that's been the most surprising thing And exciting to see some of those team members step up into situations that you didn't know that they could handle. But now my attention being pulled in another direction has given me the opportunity to see them do that. And my trust in that is growing for sure.
0: What's the short to medium term vision in terms of asset class? Because you got a couple different asset classes in commercial right now.
1: We like multifamily and we like self-storage. The reason being is that during the last great recession, storage was the only asset class to continually gain throughout the recession and multifamily because we like to have impact on people's places that they live and people always need a place to live. And if we can impact that in a positive way, I would say that it's arguably one of the other stable asset classes. And if you buy those things right and you manage them properly, then you can do a really good job and win not that we know how to run a self storage facility but cube smart is going to sign on and they're the ones that are going to be running that facility for us and then we have great asset managers and property managers to help us run those other multifamily assets
0: what's been a surprising challenge as it relates to getting into commercial and having those investor conversations that you didn't think you'd come across or maybe questions that they asked that you didn't think you'd come across.
1: So first I think it's a slower process. I think that what makes the two deals that we're in right now significantly more challenging is timeframes. People need time to discuss the property with you. They need to figure out where their investment monies are coming from. If they're rolling it over from a 401k or a IRA That's not a one-week process. We have self-directed IRA companies that work with us often, and they can do it in between two and three weeks, which is really, really fast. But I'd say that that's been, in my mind, the biggest challenge is just making sure that you're consistently having these conversations. Because if it's not this deal for an investor, it'll be the next one. And making sure that you're continually keeping them involved and updating them with where you at with the current project and when they get excited for that to make sure that they're ready for
0: the next one. How do you grow your list of investors?
1: I'm sure you can answer that better than we can at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not being interviewed though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's been a strategy point for us over the last couple of weeks. Figuring out exactly how to build those relationships. But I think like anything else in your business that you find has been really successful, it's based on relationship. And I think making sure that you're out there, meeting people, getting connected, and just letting people know what you're doing. There's a book called Getting the Money, and she talks about how she's not Wonder Woman, but her and Wonder Woman have never been seen in the same room together. And her point was, don't forget to tell people who you are and what you do. And I find that most of our investors work with us more for who we are than what we do. It's great that we can provide good returns to them. And certainly it's better than what they have seen in the past. But it's mostly about who we are and why we do what we do. And I think just as you continue to build that base of good investors, they have friends, they have family, they have other people that they want to introduce you to because you've done a good job for them and they trust you. And you just continue to build that relationship.
0: And the self-storage investment near Orlando, if you can think about the one investor who invested the most amount, how did you meet him or her?
2: By asking the question of the people that we know, who else should we know that you think should be in this deal?
0: Wow. And they introduced you to this person who wrote the biggest check.
1: Yep. It was one point of separation and... We said, hey, this is what we're doing. They were involved in the deal themselves on a lighter scale. And we said, who else do you know that we should be talking to? And about an hour later, we had the largest commitment that we had. So it's our warm network. Wow.
2: That's incredible.
1: That's the key is making sure that people know what you're doing and then asking those questions. Who else should we be talking to about this?
2: But it's also positioning yourself. We've done due diligence on this. We have a partner who his job is to blow up deals for us Mm because we'll get excited about something and we'll send it across Travis's desk and he spends 36 hours in the numbers and says, hey guys, here's three yellow flags. We need to resolve these before we go any further. When we're having conversations with people we found something that is intriguing, enticing, and that's exciting, and we're not even going to take it out to somebody unless we feel like this is something we're going to put our own money into, that we're excited about, and that truly has a great opportunity. So positioning ourselves as the prize and just asking for who else possibly would be interested in something like this, and people are excited to share it so just capitalizing on that relationship and warm network, because you have built the trust and you have that relationship with someone, they're excited to bring somebody else in that they know because they trust you.
0: Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? For me, it's
1: build the team. We started our business in 2011, the wholesaling side, and for five years, I built a great job. But you heard the numbers in 2016, they weren't great. And now they are. And- the fear that I had was holding me back was I didn't want to be responsible for other people's income. And when mentors of mine told me that the value of our business is going to be predicated upon the talent of the people we bring in, it really changed my mindset to say, wow, if I build a really good team, then I don't really have anything to worry about. So that changed everything for us. We started hiring people and not all of them have worked out, but being able to confidently go in and say that building a rockstar team is going to build a great company. That's been the best advice I've gotten.
0: Adam, you got any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I would say for me, it's check your ego at the door and just try and find somebody who's doing what it is that you want to do and model. Just don't try and recreate the wheel. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. So, just keep your head down and try what someone else is doing and stay long enough to really figure it out. And that takes checking your ego.
0: We're going to do a lightning round. You two ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212. 897-9875. Eight nine seven nine eight seven five. That's two one two eight nine seven nine eight seven five. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. Need more investors for your fund, sales for your books, or courses? Whether you're seeking investors or content sales, Luo Media Group is a digital marketing expert that can help make your marketing make money. Get a free consult at dot com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've recently read?
1: Never split the difference.
0: Best ever deal you've done?
1: Gotta be so far this over 1,000 unit self-storage development
0: deal. What about a deal that has gone full cycle? Best ever deal you've done?
1: Probably 24 lot subdivision from entitlement to completion.
0: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
1: So many. <laughs> Probably making sure that we haven't touched and felt every piece of it. So that's more in the single family world where we had less of a stringent time frame with due diligence and we uncovered some stuff in the deal that we should have known before the deal. But luckily we still made money on it, but that's a learning curve for sure.
0: Best ever way you like to give back?
1: We work with Samaritan's Purse and we donate a portion of proceeds from every property that we're involved in to their clean water project, digging wells in third world countries.
0: Best way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you too and learn more about what you got going on.
1: Integritycapitalgroup.com. My name is Stephen. That's Adam. And our email addresses are just our first name at Integritycapitalgroup.com.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show, talking about how you two have built wholesaling businesses that are thriving and now going into commercial deals. The reason why, or two reasons, primary reasons, one is the heavy lift at the beginning of every month, basically just ramping up every month because you're starting fresh. And two is the opportunity cost. And I believe as Adam said, you can spend the same amount of time, but then you add three zeros to the deal and it's significantly bigger payday for your time. And the projects that you two talked about, and holy cow, that question that secured the largest investor in your recent deal, and that question is, who else should we know who should be in this deal? And you're asking that to a current investor. Now, you already have that rapport built up, and... Adam, as you said, it's not a magical question that when you ask that people get into a trance and then say, talk to my uncle Billy, he's a billionaire. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he give you money. But well it, it, it may be sometimes. Uh, I haven't met an uncle Billy yet with that. He's a billionaire, but, but I'm sure he's out there. But it is a question that once you have positioned yourself properly then that question can help you get to another level. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you two have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. You too. Thank you. Need more investors for your fund, sales for your books or courses? Whether you're seeking investors or content sales, Luo Media Group is the digital marketing expert that can help make your marketing make money. Get a free consult at L U O. M-E-D-I-A-G-R-O-U-P dot com forward slash best ever.